Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello and welcome to this week's episode and I'm thrilled to be introducing you to not one but two awesome women this week. Kate Resky-Zuma and Debbie Cohen, authors of the book Humanity Works Better, which I had the pleasure of reading in preparation for this interview. Now, both these incredible women have very extensive backgrounds of which I could spend pretty much the whole hour talking about, but I will try and summarise. So let's start with Kate. With a background as an account manager in the advertising industry, Kate knows that vulnerability-based leadership creates strong relationships, more authentic connections and better results. In 2003, she let go of this career and became a coach and has worked with hundreds of clients to support people on their journey to be the humans that they want to be by helping them overcome their internal roadblocks. She loves to work with organisations who are stuck and frustrated with people who are difficult to work with and help them remove the roadblocks and increase productivity to get their people working together and more connected. And her LinkedIn profile that says she's the designer of kick-ass timelines, which I absolutely loved. (laughs) And now let me introduce Debbie. Debbie's beliefs about human potential are grounded in decades of work with humans big and small. Her career began as a teacher and leader in early childhood education programs at Stanford University and it was the era that shaped her thinking around how humans grow and evolve. She moved on to apply these ideas to big humans within companies seeking to attract and retain key talent. But it was her consulting work where she became known for getting groups who didn't typically work well together to a place of shared focus and effort. Now she taps into the unstoppable power of human connection to cause transformation of people and organizations so they can both reach their fullest potential. So two formidable women who are going to talk to us about getting more productive, embracing change and being a better human. So Kate and Debbie, welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. It's great to be here. Excellent. And I think I swapped a couple of emails with you, Kate, around when I was reading the book in preparation for this episode. It was that afternoon I'd I'd written some of the questions and gone through the book and sent it off to you. And then a, a good friend of mine called and was chatting to me about her day and was telling me how she had gone and spoken to one of her new managers and she said, I just really got down to what was going on in his life and just really talked to him like a human and I can't believe what a difference it made. And I said, oh, my goodness, I've just read this book. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like we had this whole conversation around the concepts and what your book is about, really helping us to bring more humanity and connection into our, our workplace connections with our colleagues. It's so exciting to hear that. When Deb and I were writing this book, we were like, what do we want people to do with this book? And, you know, one of our one of our hopes and one of our intentions that we really sort of put out there is that we want people to be able to apply these skills, 
as soon as they've yep. read about them. Yep. We want them yep. to dog ear practical. this book yep. and yeah, practical and come back to it, you know, when you're ready for the next set of skills or the next set of concepts that you want to sort of play around with. So like when you told me that, I think I responded to you. I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what we wanted. It was so lovely. Yeah. And it is, it was, it was like made an impact right away. So, so thank you for that. So we're going to get into talking a bit more about the book and some of the in-depth concepts, but tell us a bit about yourself and your business and your journey. Great. Deb, do you want to start? Oh, I was just, I'm like, I love this idea of secrets of confident women. I'm like, I hope I learn a few things. So can't wait. <laughs> the, um, I'm going to tell like a journey of a not confident woman, right? Right. Like, that's I, the point of this that's whole, the whole thing, right? Yes. Let's not fluff this stuff up. That's Let's right. be real here. So, you know, I started my career right out of high school. I did not go to college initially. My folks couldn't afford to send me. And so I went to a junior college got a degree in education, started working with little kids and I loved it. And I remember I had like transformational people in my life who, you know, I sort of do these things in threes, things things happen in threes and I have to pay attention to it when it happens the third time because the world's sending me a message. (laughs) And, you know, I thought, oh, I'm going to school and I'm going to be a business major. And I was like, that's boring. And then like, I thought, <laughs> fine. It was the late seventies. I'm really old people. And I was like, great, I'm going into women's study. And I'm like, well, they're scary. I'm not going to do that. And so, you know, I went into, um, psych- I took psychology, child development and nutrition wow. uh, all at the wow. same time. And there was something about that trifecta of like, wow, the whole of your body, the whole of your being, you know, little people growing up into big people. I might be interested in that. Right. And I started, I started uh, teaching at a preschool, subbing at a preschool and I just loved it. And I became really curious about what happens to these little humans when we get big, because boy, the big people are cranky and fussy and (laughs) didn't really get along. And boy, they're bringing a bunch of baggage where we're teaching, you know, conflict resolution with four-year-olds. And I'm like, wow, this 34-year-old can't figure that stuff out. So um, that sort of led my journey as I became a mom of young kids to get tired. Like it was a lot to work with young kids all day and go home and try to be a good mom to my own kids. And so I left the classroom and moved into administration. And that was like, talk about not confident women. That was like a whole Mm. journey of like, learning that every big job I take, I am not going to be qualified for. I remember calling my best friend after I got my first one and she's like, pull your panties up and get in there and do it. You've convinced them that you can do it. Now get in there and do it. And like, God, we all need those friends, don't we? Every now and then. Yeah. And I would say that same friend has told me the exact same thing. Every time I step into the next big, scary job, including writing a book of like, you can do this. Yeah go do it. Yeah. Right? And you're not going to know how from the po- from what? the beginning. And that's the point. And nobody knows how, nobody knows how to write a book before they write a book. Nobody knows how to right. start to do that job when you haven't worked at the organization before. Back to the metaphor of little kids. They don't know how to walk until they learn how. That's so right. why do we expect we're supposed to know how to yeah. do stuff until we go do it? And, you know, it's just sort of a humbling reminder of yes. the journey we're all on. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you know, this, uh, there's so many different stories that come that have come up as you're sort of talking about that. Probably one of my bigger ones is that 
I had been in England and then I moved to New York and I got a job at Ogilvy and Mather Advertising Agency in New York. Big advertising agency. I had been in this much smaller advertising agency in London. And I got there and I just remember thinking, who am I? Mm. Like, like, who am I? I what am I doing here? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, really. And then and then we would be sitting there, we'd be looking at creative or we'd be talking about strategy or whatever the topic is. And I'd be thinking, well, now that doesn't make any, I'd be thinking, yeah. I wouldn't be saying no. it, but I'd be thinking, you know, like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Cause if we're saying we want to reach these kinds of people, then they actually need this kind of message, not that kind of message, but I wouldn't say anything. Yes. And then over time, somebody else would come in and would say that thing. And I'd think, Damn oh, it. darn, why didn't <laughs> I say it? But what I ended up doing was using that. And that helped me to realize, oh, wait a minute. This is not, this is one of the things we say over and over again. It is not rocket science, yeah. anything. Yeah. Nothing is rocket science. No. We're all just making it up. Yeah. We are all just making it up as we go along. Absolutely. You know? And I've heard that story through the coaching I do and whatever, so many times and it often brings women to coaching because they've sat in those meetings yeah. rooms thinking uh-huh. oh I don't know what I'm talking about and then thinking of things and then somebody else says it and puts it on the table and everyone's like oh my god that's an amazing idea and they're like what am I doing it's like that you know that I've just got to exactly speak up right. here and and you know I I was promoted I think too early uh, honestly, as the head of the Dove account. And at the time, Dove was just a soap from Unilever. Uh, and they were about ready to launch body wash. Yeah. And they were in test market in deodorant and shampoo and face care, which they're now all in those markets. But this was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm also old. <laughs> and and I remember that I was at like one of my very first meetings. And, and I thought I was just there to, I was brand new. I thought I was just there to kind of soak it all in and, you know, to meet the people on the team. And the Unilever client turned to me and said, well, Kate, we were, they were showing uh, creative. And uh, the (laughs) client turned to me and said, Kate, what do you think? Now the head of creative of New York was there. The head of New York was there. The group director was there. And I just remember thinking, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I now have to like, I now have to sound somewhat intelligent. You know, I don't know. Words came out of my mouth. And la- afterwards I was in my group director who happened to be a woman. I was in her office and I said, well, man, that yeah. was a moment for me. Like yeah. I just, you know, I didn't know what to say. I just started making things up. And she said something to me that I will never forget that I think is so important to remember. And Deb and I use this when we're coaching people. We talk about how she said, Kate, we're all just making this up. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll just make it. But we think in that whole oh, imposter syndrome yeah. way, we think that they Everybody's all know got it, things that yeah, we <laughs> Everyone's got it all together except me. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's right. I know. We say that Anastasia and I often say the same thing. It's like, it's we're just winging it. We're winging it. You're winging it. Everyone's winging it. <laughs> like, so just yes. wing it. Wing it a little bit. Yes. It's fine. And if you know, yeah. we interviewed a lady last year about getting the next interview, job interview, and things like that. And it was really interesting because she sort of said, if you're not winging it a little bit, you're in the wrong job. Like you, you need to get the next job. You've sort of got this one down pat. You need to get promoted or go and find the next challenge because if you're not winging it, where you're at is a bit too easy. <laughs> And it's such a great way to look at it. 
somehow it's so much easier too to realize everybody's winging it. Yeah, yeah. Right, because in the workplace we come in and we we judge ourselves compared to each other. Mm. Sorry, we all do, yeah, right? We do. And yeah, and if do. I think, well, their ideas are smarter or better than yeah. mine, but when you realize they're making this all up too, and they're doing <laughs> yeah. the best they can, so what makes their ideas any better or worse? And sit, nothing is worse than sitting in silence and watching no. a bad idea. No. Go forward no. when you could have said something. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got a question a little bit about that because you, you do focus on that in the book, which is which is great. So before we get into those questions, though, we ask all of our guests, what does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? Well, the first thing that pops into my head is saying what I think yeah. and not worrying right. about if it's right or if it's wrong. It will propel the conversation forward, right? So yeah, there is something, and Deb and I have experienced this individually working our work together. I experience it with clients, but there is that that being brave to just say yeah. the thing that is going on in my head and not worrying about if it's right or if it's wrong, air quotes, you know, and just, and really believing that even if it's quote unquote wrong, mm -hmm. it will actually propel the idea or the document forward. Yeah, so absolutely. That, and, and there's some work that, that has to be done. You have to disentangle your ego mm. uh, from the fear of not getting it right. Yes, yeah. So it's really that speaking up and just being able to express who you are and what you think. That's right. Because mm. it it might like so the story that comes up is same boss, same sort of same piece of business. And Dove was about ready to get into all of these different things. And I will never forget standing in my boss's office and saying, I know that Dove can go into all of these categories. I just can't articulate why. Yeah. I can't articulate <laughs> yeah. what it is about this brand yeah. that gives it permission to be in those things. And she was like, you're absolutely right. And that became a whole other project for us and for the, for the agency and for the, for the brand to yeah. sort of articulate yeah. those things. But if I didn't feel safe, if I didn't feel yeah. like it was okay to say those things, then I'm not sure they benefited from my brain being on that business. Yeah. Perfect. You know? And Debbie, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been a journey for me. So I think confident women is living the whole of your life, mm. being what you believe Yes, and yes. living aligned to the, to the human you want to be like, and, and so this is not stuff I knew early in my career. Although when I look back, I could be like, oh, there's that thing mm. that was important to me showing up. I just didn't have the words to name it. And it's actually not until I got into coaching that you have, you know, here's a trick when you go through coaches training, you are the victim, uh, you know, of, of the practice. And yes. so I, re I remember the session clearly on fundamentals, which is about your values. What do you fundamentally believe? And sobbing so hard, I couldn't even talk at the end when I realized the things that I hold most dear in life. I was not honoring through my behavior. Wow. And it was a transformational flip for me yeah. of, of realizing, but I could do that. Yeah. Could do that. And with that came a very quiet confidence, both as a person walking the world and certainly a leader inside organizations sitting in the C-suite, mm. 
you know, living the whole of my life, practicing consciousness about am I being the person I want to be in this world, no matter what the circumstances are that are in front of me, yielded a confidence that became, for me, life-changing and for the people around me, kind of scary maybe at times, but... (laughs) Um, you know, but but that was, that was, that was a big flip for me as it was realizing I wasn't defaulting into a life that was somebody else's expectation of who I was supposed to be, but really became the person I wanted to be. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's great. Because we do, we get, we get pulled in so many different directions and everyone's got a great idea about how we should live our lives or what we should do. But if it's not in line with who you want to be, then it's 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 not fulfilling. Yeah. It's not you get to the end of your life realizing, as you say, you've been living someone else's life, and that's not that's not a life to live. And, and it's work that people don't normally do. I mean, Deb and I talk about this all the time. I mean, people don't do this work. They don't actually spend the time to sort of pause and say, "Hey, hang on a minute. What is important to me? What are those values? How do I want to live?" Yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And so and that's one of our that's one of our practices, which is you know claiming value and claiming the values that are important to and, you. And when you don't, it's so easy to like point the finger over here and blame other people for your lot yeah. in life. And that's part of the hard work. Absolutely. Um, wait a minute. This isn't serving me. Why? And what would better look like and what's important about that starts helping you sort of get underneath some of that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so in the beginning of your book, you explain that your mission is to bring more humanity into the workplace and for people to show a more vulnerable side of their life and create deeper human connections. Why do you think we have such a hard time being vulnerable in the workplace or with our colleagues? Because we think that that shows weakness. Yeah, We really do. We collapse. That's a coaching term. We collapse that if I am vulnerable, I am weak. And therefore people won't take me seriously. They won't believe what it is I'm saying. They won't have confidence in what it is I'm saying. And, you know, it's that we're in the, we're in my favorite practice, which is the last one, which is daring not to know, which is a practice of surrender. It's a practice of saying, you know, so much of what is going on in the business world is so complex. We don't know the answers. We can't know everything. And so if we have a team of people that we work with and you don't know how to solve a problem, but you've hired those people or you've inherited that team, trust them. Find yeah. out what they think and what they know. Ask them, gosh, I have some ideas, but I'd love to hear from you. What do you think we should do about that? That is going to widen the net of things for you to think about and solve and and play with. Yeah. I think part of, too, what what gets underneath that is, especially in the workplace, but even in any healthy relationship dynamic, is the fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. If I show up this way, if I say something that's not right, if I question, then I'm going to be put into a corner over here, or I'm going to be told I'm not right, or I'm not going to be welcomed in or promoted or all these stories we tell ourselves about rejection. And because the workplace is a place where you're there to show your capability and your competency, we get so busy in the doing of the work that we forget how we need to be with one another to accomplish that work. 
And what gets caught up in all of that is the messiness of humanity mm. and, and how we are being with one another. And the fear of that is rejection. So we squish people and we become toxic or we regress from people and we shy away or we leave. And, you know, and so for us, it was just like, man, we were spent so much time inside organizations trying to help them be, you know, effective, productive, all the productivity outcomes kinds of things. And what got in the way over and over and over again were the way people were being with one another, not how to do the work. Yeah. It was how to be good humans when we do this hard work together. Yeah. Um, and so we're like, we could fix that. Like we can help with that. Yeah. So that's, and do you that's think that's do. changing? Because it's, it does seem that we all went into workplace and this was the way it was and it's, Certain organisations are better at it, obviously, and, and things are changing. Do you think that it, it is becoming more widespread, that people are, I don't think this is a word, uncollapsing, but taking away, like separating the vulnerability and the weakness that they're not together? Vulnerability doesn't mean weakness. I think it's very, and we're in the very, very, very early stages of it. Very early adopter stages do it. I yeah. mean, I think that this idea that in order to be a leader, I have to yeah. know. And if I don't know, I'm going to just pretend that I know because that <laughs> will make me look really good. You know what I yeah. mean? And I, I mean, that is, it, it's a dated, you know, in, in yeah. our experience, it's a dated concept, but it's been around for a long yeah. time. You yeah. know, it's so. still ingrained. And I love the yeah. section. Oh, sorry. Go on, Debbie. I was going to say, it's why we did the section on mindsets yeah. before you can kind of get into learning new skills or practices, the place to sort of pause and ask yourself is like, what's the mindset I have about this? You know, if I'm protecting something, if I am really bad with boundaries, if I, you know, love to look at the glass being half empty and don't really like looking at a glass half full, there are there are mindsets that will hold you back from actually standing in an open posture to new kinds of things. And I think when it comes to leaders and vulnerability, there is some resistance there that sits from an old narrative about what strong leaders look like. Yeah. And that's actually one of the questions I had was about this shifting of mindsets. So one of the ingredients you say is to embrace this change uh, on focusing on creating meaningful connections. So change that that narrative, as you say. And this is, you said, this is shifting our focus from our own self-interest to thinking about the needs of the collective whole. Interestingly, in the work that I do, I do find that this is one of the challenging areas that especially women that are low in confidence in the workplace, they, they want to hide. They, as you said, Kate, you know, you don't, you think it, but you don't speak. They tend to keep their head down. They work hard. They try to reduce the amount of interaction they have with others, I guess hoping not to be exposed or seen as not good enough or a fraud or having, you know, our good old imposter syndrome. So what? Are, how do we do that? How do we get these women to start changing the, the narrative around making meaningful connections in the workplace so that they, they can be more vulnerable but, you know, also be able to speak up in meetings and, and present their ideas and be more confident. You gotta just dip your toe in the water. <laughs> yes. is basically just what that it. looks like. Right. You gotta, yeah. you know, but I mean, I think part of it is you have to start to set that up as an outcome that you wanna create. 
So what does that start to look like for you? You know, I mean, you know, we really believe that change happens for you. You are the only thing that you can control. Mm. And we write about this in the book. You're the only thing that you can control. And so part of the place to be looking at is if meaningful connections is something that you want to create, set that up as an objective for yourself and then begin what does that look like for you? Yeah. Because, you know, our, our very strong belief is, is that particularly as you rise through the ranks of any organization, you get given more and more and more responsibility. You, you cannot do it on your own. You, you know, and it's one of our very strong beliefs. You don't get anything done in your organization on your own. I don't care who you are. You might take credit for it, but it wasn't just you. It was a whole group of people, right? Yeah. And so we really encourage people to sort of look at, start with you. If creating more meaningful connection, what does that look? Maybe it looks like asking someone for lunch. Mm. Maybe it looks like asking for help on a project from somebody that's not on your team, but that's on a different team that's done something similar, right? The other thing that was coming up for me, Kate, when you're like, it starts with you is if it's hard to think about meaningful connections with others, I would start with yourself. Do you have a meaningful connection to your heart, to Mm. yourself? What are your gifts? What are your strengths? You know, what do you love about yourself? Mm. And, And what do you have to offer others? And sometimes I think if we're in a depleted state, it's hard for us to claim those for ourselves. Yeah. And, and the courageous work is, is to, you know, love yourself Mm. and, when you can do that for yourself, then you have something to give to other people. Yeah. And so I think there is some, you know, I love the start with one person, you know, get curious about them. What do they like about you? Mm. Right. And sometimes we need that validation. We need the light to shine on us a little bit to feel like the warmth of the glow. Yeah. And so if, if you're in a depleted state, think about what you need to heal yourself. So you one can... of those things that we're hearing across all of the work that we're doing right now is people are craving connection. Yeah, they are craving. Especially with the two years we've all just been through, <laughs> sitting exactly in our lounge right. rooms. There were just That's beautiful exactly pictures right. of you all opening up your airports and people coming mm. through and. Oh, we watched it. We're all we're watching it, was, it on the six o'clock news as we we're having dinner. Oh my and gosh! We're all in tears with all these people. Right. It was just so emotional. Just to even yes. we weren't even experiencing, but seeing the just yes. gra- there was a, there was one the there was a grandfather who hasn't seen his granddaughter for two years. Oh, good. Almost welling up now, and shit. The little grand. I mean, she's she looked like she was eight or something. Oh, she just ran to him like it was just. Oh, it was just so. Yeah. And it is. It's that missing those little moments that has right. really driven us all to a distraction yeah. and just sitting at home, going, "What is going on here?" Yeah, and we're hearing that from the sea level yeah. all the way down. People are craving just that meaningful connection, that ability to connect person to person, you know? And so I think it's a very topical need right now. And I think it's interesting that I was saying this to someone the other day that because the whole world's gone through relatively the same experience, we've all been locked down. It's not like that just one group of people have gone through this or, you know, sometimes 
you as an individual go through a very traumatic time in your life. Maybe there's a there's a medical issue or you lose someone close to you or whatever. And people try to comfort you and they, they don't understand. They haven't been through it necessarily. Whereas this particular crisis, <laughs> we, we sort of all went through together. So we all understood. I remember my husband, you know, I've been at a work at home office for near on 20 years and he obviously started working from home and he's like, oh my goodness, this work from home thing is like a whole different, different game. All (laughs) of a sudden he could understand what working from home from my experience was. Whereas if you didn't, hadn't done that before, you wouldn't really understand. So we've all collectively had maybe a vulnerability that we've, we can connect on and understand that lockdowns and working from home and having no connection with other people is really challenging for us all. 100%. 100%. So moving on with that idea, I really love the chapter you have on owning your impact, which is what you were saying about really looking, Debbie, what you were saying about looking at what do I have to offer? And there was a quote in the book that said, the definition of impact is having an effect or an influence. We are all impacting others all the time. Yes, you. Don't buy into the narrative that you are not important or influential. Everyone matters. Anyone who thinks that they don't matter is wrong. Impact is something that as we grow as humans, we need to pay attention to. It's important to look at, claim and understand your impact, intended or unintended. You are responsible for your impact. And I just love this because, again, so many women I work with that think – that what they do or if they share their ideas in a meeting or if they don't put their hand up to be a project leader, that it doesn't matter or that they don't make an impact to the people around them. But really it does. And seeing how our behaviours create an impact on others can really be eye-opening. But you've got to get, as you said, Kate, dip your toe in the water and actually sort of make it happen, you know. Why do we need to be responsible for the impact that we create around us and how do we do that? Well, I can talk about it from, you know, this became a a really pivotal transition in the way I thought about helping women in underrepresented groups evolve through workforces. And part of the research that sits behind this is that for so many of us, we think I go to work, I do a really good job. Somebody's going to notice that and something good is going to happen for me. (laughs) And and folks, let me tell you, that's table stakes. That's why you get a paycheck because you show up, you do what's been asked of you and you have a job. But career progression happens on two fronts. One is, in my opinion, one is it's not just what you do. It's being able to claim why it matters. And I don't care if you are the payroll clerk, and I'll use a real life story on that in a minute, or the C-suite executive, if you can't attach what you do to why it matters based on where the business is trying to go, that's on you. That is not on a boss. That's not on somebody in leadership. That's on you. So that's one level of claiming. I used to have this person, Joel, who was a payroll administrator. It's a real life story. And Joel had two children at home, one with special needs and a wife. And Joel was not particularly driven to rise the corporate ladder at that stage of his career. He needed stability. Mm. He needed a super great job, right? 
But Joel still needed me as a supervisor to, to every now and then say, hey, let's go to lunch. Talk to me about the family. How's it going? He needed to feel seen and appreciated for what he did. And what I needed to remind him of and what he needed to claim is, boy, getting payroll out re- regularly, reliably, without error, yeah. helps our people yeah. feel trust yeah. in their confidence and that we're holding up our end of the bargain. That's what Joel needed, right? Yeah. The other thing is I want people to be able to claim not just what they do, but who they're being when they're doing it. That's about you owning the impact of your brand in the workplace. So when people are sitting in a room and they're saying, boy, we're about ready to launch this new hot thing. We need Jody at the table because Mm. she's awesome at pulling out new ideas from people and bringing them to life. Mm. And that's also part of what you are responsible for, both connecting what you do to why it matters and owning who you want to be, how you want people to experience you when you're doing that work. And that to me is the rocket science to professional progression. Yeah. And it changes behavior, doesn't it? If you have that outlook and you have, you've, you've really looked at the impact that you do have, it changes everything how you show up every day. Yeah. Right. You know, there's a story that Deb and I were talking about. We both have very similar stories around this. And it's it's actually connects the values, the claiming your values and knowing your values that's important to you, and also owning the impact that you create. And we both had very similar moments where we were being asked, this was my personal story, I was being asked to lie to a client. Wow. And I said... I'm not going to do that. Right. I'm not going to do that. You know, my, my thing, because this was back in the nineties, there's a lot of sleeping around that happens in the advertising <laughs> industry. Not that I partook in that because I didn't, but it was one of those things where I would joke and I would say, I have to sleep with myself every night. Yeah. And, yes. and I was literally being asked to lie to a client and, and my, my low level client, I was very low level in the organization. He said to me, I need to ask you this question. Is this thing really happening or are we being lied to? Ostensibly, that's what he said. And in that moment, I had to make a decision. Did I want to tell the truth around that? You know, and I knew there was an impact that I was creating and I knew that I was potentially putting my job on the line, but I was like, if I can't be truthful with my client and this agency is asking me to lie, then this is not the, this is not the agency for me. Yeah. And I, I told him the truth yeah. and he said, that is so brave. I will do what I can to, you know, sort of save you and make sure that this doesn't come back to bite you in the ass. Mm. And, um, and, and I think it's one of those things, this happens, this is real stuff that happens in the workplace And I knew that I was creating an impact, both potentially for myself and for this client agency relationship, which was a big one. And And I knew I wanted to have a particular impact. There was a very intended impact that I was trying to create. And it was related to the kind of person I wanted to be and the kind of organization I wanted to work with. Yeah. I was going to say, that's sort of a great example of the subtitle of the book is, you know, five practices to lead with awareness, mm. choice, and the courage to change. And in that story that Kate just shared, it's a great example of her being aware, not unconscious of a value that was about ready to be stepped on, mm. choosing a hard road and having the courage to to follow through with that because she wanted to stay aligned with her values. Yeah. And 
and she has to sleep with herself every night. And that's where when you've done these things that are completely against your values or, or, you know, it's hard to sleep at night. It's that 3 a.m. where you're going over and over going, what could I have done? Why did I do that? I've hurt people. I've done this. I said that and I shouldn't have said like, And it's tormenting and it ruins, you know, not only your sleep. It ruins your confidence. It It does. It absolutely undermines you. Yeah, it undermines your soul. That's right. And one of the most important questions that Deb and I ask it all the time is, who do you want to be as a leader? Yeah. Know the answer to that question. If there is, and and, and in, in the coaching language, that's an inquiry, right? It's a big, fat, juicy question that you could ask over the course of your entire career. Yeah. You know, and, and life. Yes. And, and life. life. You that's not right. have to be in positional authority to no, be the leader of your life. That's right. Yeah. That's so who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Know that, know that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the last one I want to ask you about is about boundaries. And actually I interviewed a lady this week and we we had a great discussion about boundaries in a relationship, divorce relationship and how to set those boundaries. But interestingly in your book, you talk about better boundaries and that boundaries are there to let people in, not keep them out, which really is a shift in our thinking. So what do you mean by that? Yeah. What it means is when you are clear about your boundaries and you sort of say, this behavior is okay and this behavior isn't okay, that gives you so much room to navigate within that. But if you don't, you know, we oftentimes think of boundaries of this thing as like, I'm going to not let people do this thing to me, right? You know what I mean? And it's all about keeping people at bay. But the truth of the matter is, is if you're clear about, then there's lots of room to play. Come on, share share your analogy. Share your play, playground analogy. <laughs> oh, I was going to share another one. Okay, there are two. I have two <laughs> stories tied to this. One is there's a piece of research that looks at children on playgrounds. And in the absence of a fence, they played close and really tight together. Why was that? Because it wasn't safe. They didn't know how far they could go. They didn't know what was permitted and not permitted. But when they put the fence up around them, they played to the full breadth of the, of the playground. I love that. Kate's analogy about letting them in the fence makes it safe for the people inside to be together. What I was going to say is a more modern day piece, more accessible people might um, be familiar is Brene Brown Mm. talks about writing her book. And this is what got me over the hurdle and to say yes to writing our book. Cause I'm like, look, I've spent my whole life. I don't want to be a target at this stage of my life. (laughs) Keep those critics away. I believe what I believe get on board or not. Right. Sort of. I mean, I'm sort of facetious, but not like, don't need that. Don't, don't want to wear Kevlar anymore. I'm done with that. So Um, She has this quote about how you have to think about who's in the ring with you. So think about your boundaries as a fighting ring, right? And the people who are inside the ring with you, your critics or the people, their their critiques are there to help you be better, Mm. not to tear you down. It's the people on the outside of the ring. Yeah, that's cool. They're not the people. (laughs) That could be called Twitter, Instagram, body shaming, you name it, right? It's out yeah, there. Yeah. But those are not the people who are trying to help you be the very best version of yourself. Yeah. And, and so I think of the boundaries as a little bit like that. I have to claim my boundaries 
So I know who's inside to help me be the best I can be and not the folks who are on the outside just waiting to tear me down. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And it gives so much certainty when it's clear and there's clear boundaries. People know how you're going to react, what's going to happen. You know, it gives a lot of certainty, which is what humans like. So, uh, yeah, I can see that, that how that does really that inside of the circle. I love the inside the fence analogy with the playground. Exactly. And in our book, we have a, a practice, and this is a bit of a teaser, that's called shared agreements. And shared agreements is a skill that will help you create those boundaries with yes. the people that you work with. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Go and get the book. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Oh, I love it. I love it. So many insightful things. I loved the book. And I think it is this moving into, we, we don't want the old school way of running companies anymore. And it's time to change. It's time. And as you said, we're in the very beginning baby steps of doing that. But these sorts of books and the examples you give and the techniques and making it practical that people can really bring that and start to bring that into their own organizations or just bring that into their own workplace, their own careers as who they want to be in that, as you say, in the impact or who they're going to show up as every day because that that makes a difference to other people around them. We're big believers. When you start to change, the people around you start to change. So if you change toward toxicity, guess what you're going to get? Change to be a warm-hearted person. Yeah. You attract more of them. (laughs) That's right. And and the premise of the book, which is how the book gets started, this is not just about being in relationship and it's going to be better and happier and isn't everybody going to sing Kumbaya and that's going to be terrific, (laughs) right? (laughs) The, The premise of the book is actually that productivity is about people. You will be more productive if you have healthier and better relationships with the people around you. Now, how you go about doing that, that's what the book hopefully is going to help you do. Yeah, And it doesn't mean it's going to be happy and that there's not going to be mess and there's not going to be tension. What it's going to mean is like, that's part of being human and coming together. But what it will offer you is approaches and techniques that when life gets messy, when those relationships are hard, uh, you can navigate your way through them. I love it. Okay, thank you for that. I'm sure this episode will give people a lot of insight into what's in the book and what they can get out of it. So now I'm going to finish. We ask all of our guests our Rise Women Power questions. (laughs) And then at the end of every year, we put them all together as a compilation of all different answers, which takes me hours to edit together, but we love it. It's so so valuable to go and listen to because you get all these snippets. Okay, so what do you wish every woman knew? That they have something important to say. Oh, I like that. Nice. That nobody else can define who they are except themselves. Oh, very nice. What is your superpower? Straight talk (laughs) and a warm heart. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) A safe space so people can really tell me what's going on. Oh, lovely. Uh, Now we have a whole shoe thing going on. So we always ask heels or flats, but... We have changed this because we've had people come with snow boots, uh, Wellington boots. We've had barefoot. We've had all sorts. So, are you heels or flats or something else? When I'm you- a hiking. I'm a uh, hiking boot girl. Good. At the moment, I'm in Bombas, which is the um, wool slippers. Oh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Your favorite quote or rule that you live by. One of them for me would be "Be the change you want to see in the world." Yeah, lovely. I think it begins and ends with you. Mm. 
Excellent. Uh, who inspires you and why? Well, Kate inspires me. Is oh, that a fair thing? And why? Because it's a safe, back to her superpower, mm. it's a safe place to generate new ideas and bring them to life. You know, I think my dad inspires me. He's no longer on this earth, but um, my dad was just a good, smart, down-to-earth guy. And I think I'm still trying to make him proud. Oh, lovely. I'm sure he is, Kate. I'm sure they, they've got a bookstore wherever he is and he's bought it going, yes. hey, look at this one. <laughs> Yeah, that's my girl. And finally, finish this sentence. If I had even more confidence than I do now, I would? Write another book. Oh, there you go. Look out, Kate. (laughs) Yeah. He knows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got to echo Deb. I would write another book. I'm sorry. That's that's what's coming up for me too. There you go. Even though we said we never would, but we are going to. Yes, we will. There's a part two. Step in, ladies. The impact. Remember, it's the impact you're having on the the rest of the world. That's right. As long as you turn off Twitter, you'll be fine. It's all good. (laughs) That's our marketing team. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, thank you so much for taking time to to come and talk to us. As I said, it's a great book. It's a real change in how we want to operate moving forward in organizations and just there's so much personally that people can get out of it even if they're you know not necessarily in a big organization or or what have you there's just so much it's that reflecting it's that personal development it's that thinking about those values that we want to be who do we want to show up as and it really can be humanity works in organizations in the street in communities in you know in in all sorts of things it's really lessons about how to deal with the rest of the humans on the face of the earth (laughs) so to speak so thank you so much for coming and um, sharing your your thoughts with us well thank you so much it's been a delight And thank you to everyone for listening today. And remember, there are so many ways that we can help you become the confident woman you've always wanted to be. So please get in touch with us and visit risewomen.com. We want to ensure that confidence is every woman's new normal. And we do that by getting our programs and resources out to as many women as possible. So until next time, remember, with confidence, anything is possible, even writing another book. Bye for now. 